Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. The sound of endurance racing around the world. This is RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited Network. G'day everyone and welcome to On The Grid, your weekly fix of motorsport with a down-under perspective. Each week we'll talk to the leading lights of Aussie motorsport, unpick the key issues, discuss the trending topics and have some fun along the way. From supercars to the Bathurst 12-hour and everything in between, and I mean everything, this is On The Grid. Now, here's the show's host with the most, Tony Shebecki. G'day everyone and welcome to the first episode of On The Grid for this year, 2021, our 18th year as a motor racing program. Thanks for joining us. We've got a big show to kick off the year. Richard Crowell set to join me shortly and we'll catch up with S5000 winner and all-round good bloke, Thomas Randall. Greg Rust will help us dissect the two weeks of ARG racing at Simmons Plains and Baskerville in Tasmania and Mark Walk will also join us for a chat. But first we record this program on a Tuesday night which is great for us unless something breaks on a Wednesday morning and this week it did. News that the management structure of Triple Eight Racing is set to change at the end of the year with Roland Dane to move on as principal of the team and hand over the reins to retiring seven-time champion Jamie Winkup. Winkup, of course, purchased a stake in the AAA company a couple of years ago and has been learning the business from Roland over that time. It'll be the 18th consecutive year of supercar competition for Winkup, who heads into his final year as a full-time driver with 122 wins, 89 pole positions and seven championships. More on this story next week. All right, time to get stuck into this week's show. All right, joining me for a chat about last weekend down at Simmons Plains is Richard Crail and Richard... Lovely to be back at a racetrack, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, With isn't it just... real people and real everything. It was, Shebex. Hello to you. Uh, happy, what, 18th season of On The Grid now, yeah, I think. Yeah, fantastic. Um, I've, I've been part of it for, what, seven or eight, I think now, which is Yeah, probably terrific. even longer, so, I think. Yeah, possibly. Anyway, nice to be back for 2021. Uh, we hope that it's a big year, uh, a slightly less interrupted year than what we experienced in 2020. Um, and certainly a terrific way to launch things off with a great fortnight of motor racing down in beautiful Tasmania, which is a lovely part of the world to visit. And um, the, the first round in particular of the key Australian racing group categories down at Simmons Plains Raceway was a, a cool way to launch the season and get national motor racing back underway officially for the first time since March 2020. So really, really cool way to start. And we're going to catch up with Rusty uh, a little bit later on and, and cover off on the weekend. But from the, the bits and pieces that I saw throughout the weekend, it looked like a, a really spectacular weekend. And gee whiz, it was a long-awaited, I can nearly say debut of the S5000. Yeah. It's been that long since they've been on track. And even when they came on track at Sandown, that was short-lived. Yeah, well, that was, that was September 2019 that the category officially had its first race. And before that, there were three years of, anticipation build up dramas some politics got in the way as well and then yeah. we finally got some demonstrations and we finally got to racing and the cars were rolling out on the grid at the australian grand prix um we'd had qualifying in the books we we're ready to go motor racing and then the world exploded and we didn't get going so this process to return a top level open wheel category shebex has been a long drawn out one but finally we went racing for points the australian drivers championship which has been around since 1957 returned we had three really 
exciting, entertaining races. And Shebex, we had a hell of a story to tell about the guy who ultimately won it all at the end of the weekend. Yeah, exactly. What an amazing effort by him. And uh, I think to also clock the fastest lap ever at Simmons Plains as well is an amazing effort as well. As we say good day to Tom Randall, who joins us on the line. G'day, Tom. G'day, Shebex. G'day, Crowley. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for coming on board, mate. Gee whiz, it, I tell you what, we, we talk about the last 12 months and how much of a, a, a head spin it's been for us. The last 15 months for you has probably been like a head spin on steroids. It's just <laughs> everything that could have happened in life has pretty much happened to you. You're not wrong there. I mean, it's been certainly challenging for, for everyone and yeah, definitely a, a different kind of challenge for myself. I mean, certainly, I guess most of us probably are aware of that I was diagnosed with testicular cancer back in January of 2020 and yeah it's just been a bit of a roller coaster and I mean it's not something that you can really wish upon your worst enemy to go through there's yeah a lot lots that you learn about yourself and things that you wouldn't really be, be well as a racing driver and being you know, 24 years old you know you, you just think you're invis- invincible and it turns out that's not the case you know one day you're healthy and the next day you go and get something checked out and you sort of hear the worst and it's just kind of natural to think the worst when you sort of get dealt with the, mm. the C word or, you know, the cancer word. And I mean, yeah, like I said, it's, it's, it's been a lot to, to embrace over the last 12 months of my life. And I'm just yeah, very relieved to sort of be on the other side of that mountain and I can sort of get on with, with the rest of my life. You know, I was trying to do as much as I could, as much as I could during that period, but ultimately you've got to yeah, do what the doctors say and um, have to go back a step to sort of go two steps forward, if you know what I mean. Tom, just on that, and, and we don't want to talk about the cancer too much. We want to talk about what was a fantastic weekend down at, uh, at, at Hobart, uh, sorry, Launceston, I should say. But last time we spoke, I think, and it might have even been in Adelaide last year as well, you made the comment that you didn't want it to be all about the, the cancer. You sort of wanted, didn't want to really talk about that too much and you wanted things to still be focused on your driving. Did your attitude towards that change and did you sort of embrace the fact that you became a little bit of a, a poster boy, probably isn't the right word, but a spokesperson for the whole thing? Well, when, I'm, when I was at the track, absolutely, I just wanted to focus on the motor racing and, and that's a big ticket item that sort of got me through it all. And I mean, to be honest, before the 1000 last year, I knew that I was having to come back to do the, uh, more surgery and that was going to sort of determine if I needed to do chemotherapy, which ultimately I had to do. But I think it, it's just, I've just tried to show other people that you can still live your life how you want to live it. Uh, even mm-hmm. if you're, you're going through a you know, challenging time. I mean, look, there's, I still feel like I'm very lucky. I mean, the cancer I got is is highly curable, even if it's sort of caught in a, in a later stage. Um, I mean, certainly a lot of people that I met while I was doing chemotherapy, and you just feel like, yeah, you're you're one of the lucky ones. And it might not be that the case for everyone, but certainly when I was first diagnosed, I, I was I was reaching out for help, um, and because I, I had no idea what the next steps were. And now I'm sort of on the other side of the fence where. I've had probably three or four guys contact me um, saying, hey, uh, I've just been diagnosed 
with testicular cancer, uh, you know, what, what's next? So hopefully, you know, I can help save a life or, or two and just spread that message that, hey, you know, if, if I can get this, really anyone can get it. You know, it's the most common cancer for guys in, in my age range, you know, sort of between 18 to 35. And if you pick it up early, then you're going to be, you're going to be sweet. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly, like I said, something that I wouldn't have thought I'd have to be worrying about, but mm -hmm. it's just a, another hurdle in life. And, you know, hopefully it's a, maybe one day it's a chapter in the book of Thomas Randall. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a hell of an autobiography, mate. Look forward to uh, reading it. Lots of chapters yet to be written and lots of races to be won. Uh, let's talk about car racing. The, the number we talked about on the weekend or on Australia day, or even the day before was 25. That was the, the day from you, you having your chemo on the first and jumping into a race car, and going very, very quickly in a very, very competitive field. Just walk us through that timeline of when the commitment was made to jump aboard that Team BRMS 5000 and that week leading up to that first race and just what you were thinking and feeling and any anxieties perhaps in the back of your mind about jumping back into a car. Well, 25 also signified the number of race laps we had to do as well. Yeah. So <laughs> It was a um, long way. <laughs> yeah, well... I I didn't actually know what the, the format was going to be, but certainly uh, we had told Chris Lambden pretty early on that I was going to be doing chemo and he um, kept it to himself, which was, was great. And uh, at, yeah, we, we didn't really tell many people, but I really wanted to be on the grid at the Grand, at, sorry, at uh, Simmons Plains, considering what happened at the Grand Prix, like you touched on earlier. And uh, yeah, on the, on the first of um the new year i that was my last day of treatment and i really couldn't i couldn't move like i, I mean I, it was i didn't have much energy so at that point we sort of said look i just i just can't i couldn't drive if you asked me to on that day it was sort of around probably the, the 12th or the 13th where i i felt like yeah okay i could probably actually do this and it was about it was the sunday after i the second sunday after i finished treatment Yep. Uh, which I think was maybe the ninth. I got on my bike on the bike trainer and did an hour's ride. Yep. And I thought mm, this this could be possible. And I was sort of going into the weekend with the mindset of, well, I'll do practice. If if it's too much, we'll just call it there. But at least I can say that I've given it a crack. Yeah. And you know, we sort of got got through practice. And I thought, okay, well, this this isn't too bad at the moment. Uh, my, my average heart rate was a lot higher than normal. And <laughs> my max heart rate in practice was like 190, which really? is really high when there's, you're not under any stress really yeah. in practice. There's no, there's no pressure to perform and you haven't got, you're not in, you're not in combat. So um, I thought, okay. And I just sort of want to concentrate on my hydration. Uh, my trainer, uh, Heath Meldrum helped me a lot with that. And we were able to get a few training sessions in before, uh, that uh, first round, even though they probably weren't up to scratch, <laughs> but it was just something at least. Mm. And then uh, got into qualifying and yeah, I was pretty uh, ecstatic getting pole position, but then I knew that the race was going to be tricky because it was quite hot on the Monday. Yeah, it was. Um, and then I didn't quite get the jump uh, as Joey did. And he got in front of me and that, that made it a lot tougher because when you're following so closely, I think the gap between us, sort of average across the race was about probably four tenths, four to five yeah. tenths. And you know, you've got the hot, hot exhaust gases. You can't see 
uh, braking markers or the road in front of you as clearly. And it requires a lot more focus and concentration. I think you even saw me crazily after the race. I was, you, were buggered, you know, mate. red. Yeah, I was buggered. <laughs> I was red like a tomato and, um, you know, I, my dad was giving me these cold towels and it was, mm. it was a lot, but I was just lucky that on the, the, the Tuesday, the weather was a lot cooler. Yep. Our first race on Tuesday, half of it was under safety car. And then the last race I was, I was leading from the get go. So it was, yeah. It's a lot easier to lead normally because like I said, you're, that's when everything's clear, you know, you've got a clear path ahead of you and you can just concentrate on what you've got to do. And um, I think you even save up a little bit of energy if you win the race (laughs) to uh, to hop on the car afterwards. So yeah, yeah, I was just blown away that we won. I mean, I just want to go there, collect some points because I would have regretted not showing up and not, and, still being on zero points on the scoreboard heading into Phillip Island. So, um, yeah, I definitely don't regret going for the round and yeah, we got an amazing result. Yeah. So race one, as you said, you, you couldn't quite convert pole. And that was the story of the weekend as well was that gripped up side of the road on second place often made the better starts, which was really interesting with how that played out, but you and Joey terrific battle. And like you said, was only you, um, you bowled a bit of a wide there at the final corner. Was that just, a final dig to try and get close and have a run or just a bit of fistful of understeer on that, that last lap or pushing a little bit too hard? Um, I think it, I think it was like maybe two or three laps to go, but yeah, yeah, I was just, I was just trying to pressure him into a mistake and I ended up bloody pressuring myself into a mistake. <laughs> uh, but I, I sort of showed the nose at, uh, at turn four. I, it was, the pass was never going to be on. I was yeah. just hoping he was going to sort of see that and I don't know, maybe, lock up but Joey's very experienced I mean he's he's been overseas I think eight years now and he's a yeah. you know German F4 champion he's raced FIA F3 GP3 uh, and most recently in um, Porsche Super Cup and German Curve Cup so it was going to be hard to pressure him into a mistake and uh, yeah I ended up pressuring my, I ended up making my own mistake um, but then certainly like you, you touched on uh, second place seemed to be the better jump. I mean, these mm. cars, when you exit the final corner, there's so much loading on the cars. By the time you sort of get back across for turn one, you drive over that second place a lot more. Yeah. And it's also, it's also a straight of run down to turn one. Um, but I think I even just got the lights as well, just before Joey did. So it all just, it all just kind of worked out. And, uh, he did, I did a Joey, what he yeah. did to me in race one. <laughs> we, did, we switched, yeah. we switched. So, um, but it was great having him as my teammate. And uh, I think we, we worked well off each other. There was no egos involved at all. Um, we both saw how we could each improve from our driving style and the data. And um, yeah, working with Marcus Kosh again, as my engineer was, was really good because we, mm. we lived together for a few years overseas in, in the UK uh, running in British F3. And um, yeah, it was great to be with team BRM as well. And they've got, as you know, they've got an amazing history in, in open wheel racing in Australia. Yeah, they do. It was, it was really impressive, mate. So just, just to recap your results um, for those that haven't seen it yet. So qualified on pole 49.5, which at the time was the fastest ever lap of, of that joint officially recorded. You set an outright lap record in race one to second. Uh, race two, which inverts the top eight from qualifying. So you started that one from eighth position. You made up a few spots, um, got yourself up to sixth place, which turns out to be pretty critical for points for the weekend. Got you onto the front row for that final race and you ended up beating home Timmy Macro and Nathan Hearn for the final spot on the podium after Joey Mawson copped some friendly fire from uh, 
the Valvoline car of James Golding up there into the hairpin, which was a pretty wild moment. Um, one thing I did want to talk about, Maiden, it was a comment you made after practice. You said about these S5000 cars that corners that are flat in other racing cars you've driven around Simmons Plains were most certainly not flat in an S5000. Just talk to me about driving and wrestling, I suppose, those things around Simmons Plains and indeed other racetracks we're going to go to. Well, certainly turn three, which is really, it's a small kink. And you just think from doing the track walk, oh yeah, this is easy flat. But uh, I mean, it was flat in qualifying and, you know, practice too. But certainly at the beginning of the of the day on Sunday, the, the first practice session or, or our warm up, it was like, whoa, okay. Um, you've really got to actually concentrate through this section. And if you, if you were sort of too wide out of turn two, it made that turn three a lot sharper. So one thing I was focusing on with my driving was really slowing it up at turn two and, and swearing off, not, not using all the exits, sort of trying to end up mid-track, but straightened straightened off the corner so I could um, not have to use as much steering lock and not as much load on the car through that sort of sweeper, um, which is, you know, for example, what we saw what happened to Tommy Smith. You know, he came out of yep. turn two too wide and just committed probably too hard in three. And, uh, and ended up in the fence. And then also the final corner, turn seven, like that was that was a challenge every damn lap, Crailsy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I couldn't get that flat initially. And I saw Joey's dad and I thought, holy crap, he, he, he's holding this flat. And then yeah, right. I just, um, you know, grew some cojones for qualifying. <laughs> and uh, when we put those greens on, um, yeah, by the end, I yeah, was taking a flat, but it wasn't easy. And especially in that first race when I was behind Joey, yeah um that it was tricky but that's what i love about these cars i love that they're, they're such a challenge to drive and i mean the cars have aero not a lot of aero i mean you certainly wouldn't want to drive them without the wings but mm. um from the external vision that you can see out of that last corner i mean the drivers are working pretty hard and awesome. you might have seen the onboard laps as well yeah it, it's tough and there's no power steering in these cars which again adds that other challenge and I'm, I'm good mates with Jack Aiken, uh, yeah. who did the uh, second Bahrain Grand Prix. Uh, he, he subbed in for, for George Russell in the Williams. And I said, oh, what, what's more difficult to drive on the steering? And he said, definitely at the S5000. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, maybe yeah. not on the neck, but yeah. he said, yeah, the arms were were uh, when they've fallen off in the S5000 when he drove that at the Grand Prix. So um, that's what's great about them. I think if you ask anyone in the category... I don't think there's a bad thing you can say about them. Uh, I mean, Joey loved it um, he and he'd, he'd never driven it before. And that's what you want. You want to be hopping in the race car each session, just with a smile on your face and knowing that, yeah, okay, we're about to yeah, go nuts or go to town with this car. And um, that's what it's like every session. Actually, that uh, mentioning that kink at turn three was a beautiful segue to what my next question was going to be. And that was opening these things up for a long period of time. And that straight at Tasmania is a lovely long straight for these things to really get going. The feeling of that? Well, it's funny you say that because we actually weren't getting to top gear in that whole, oh, really? that whole, um, no, the whole weekend. No, I think I tried sixth gear a couple of times when there wasn't, a, when there wasn't a wind uh, or when there was a little bit of a tailwind or you had a, 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 um, a draft on someone or a toe on someone. But yeah, that, qualifying session um the last race the second race yeah i wasn't wasn't even using sixth gear so that just shows you that there's more potential in these cars yeah um but no it really 
being able to go flat out in these cars is fantastic. I remember I did the second of oh, the tail and bend demonstration round in the, in the S5000, which was a week before the Newcastle 500. And I was doing that in the Super 2. And anyway, I, I jumped in the Super 2 at Newcastle and I thought, is this thing down on power? I'm just not, <laughs> I'm not getting thrown back in the seat. And I thought, oh, hang on, hang on a sec. We're, uh, we're back in the supercar. So, um, the, I mean, I, I got used to it, but it's just amazing that this S5000 just pulls and pulls and pulls. And um, and that's why, yeah, it's so tricky out of these corners. I mean, even if you short shift, uh, which I was, which a lot of us were having to do out of turn six coming onto the straight, mm. uh, we were short shifting from third to fourth just to sort of stop that wheel spin. And it was still still providing quite a challenge but i mean it's um it's great that they've got that naturally aspirated uh, coyote uh, v8 in the back of it i think that's what you need that's what everyone wants and uh it'd be nice to be running them again without the mufflers (laughs) it was uh, certainly a spectacle the grand prix when they were when they were flying around without those on well philip island next stop uh, i think is definitely a mufflers place it scares the penguins if you <laughs> you're open, the birds, yeah. no exactly right but um looking forward to seeing them there she's actually t- talking about the straight line speed I, I think they're geared to 295 or something like that in the gearing 300 300, 300. Yeah, they're limited they're actually yeah. i don't know if the gearing limits it i think there's actually through motorsport australia they've, they've put a limit that yeah it can't go faster than 300 and from what i've heard from other people it can do 300 at uh at phillip island which yeah. is uh Pretty quick. Yeah. Pretty, pretty and with mega. the tar win, hopefully 302. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Just well, lift they... off the throttle a little bit to not hit that hard limiter and get that extra two kilometers an hour. Beautiful. They're going to be uh, pretty impressive at Bathurst later in the year when the, the series restarts. Um, just quickly, mate, you won one Super 2 last year, which was a, a terrific outcome um, starting the great race. But the, the Gold Star, which is what we're playing for in S5000 this year, it's an award which has been won by some of the biggest names in our sport and in, in the history of our game. Um, obviously it's a, an objective for you to try and get that one in the, in the mantelpiece this year. Absolutely. I mean, I think having the gold star name back with S5000 really solidifies the championship. And it was a privilege to be awarded the trophy at Tasmania or in Simmons Plains by John McCormack, who's a yeah. three-time gold star champion and John Bow. I think he's won it twice. Yep. Uh, so you know, there's some incredible names on that list that have won the Gold Star Championship. And I think it's really fitting for this category. I mean, certainly during this COVID period, it's a shame we can't get those internationals across because, you know, back in in those days, it, that sort of really made the championship, having those internationals come out and drive. And, and that's something that S5000 has been, been able to do on not just the one occasion. You know, they had a Barrichello yeah. there for the first round of the first demonstration of Bennett Sandown and, and he came back for the Grand Prix and he really enjoys driving these cars. Jack Aiken wants to come back. I've, I've been speaking to a few other Euro guys. I had a chat with Louis Delatraz. Uh, oh, yeah, he, yeah. he wants to, he wants to come out and drive one of these. So cool. Uh, yeah. That, they're all, they're all hearing about it. And um, I think when, hopefully when these restrictions lift, uh, maybe not for, maybe not for this championship, but I think the next championship Yep. Uh, the 2021-2022 that goes over that summer period, I think that's really the perfect time to get these Europeans out um, and and into these uh, V8-powered beasts. Mate, we should also congratulate you too on the award that you won from the British Ra- Racing Drivers Club, the uh, Innes Island Trophy. Uh, sharing that honour with Dr Ian Roberts, the man 
who saved Romain Grosjean from that horrific accident at Bahrain. A fantastic honour for you. And, yeah, just, just one that would be sit nicely up on the, uh, the trophy shelf, I'm sure. Well, they don't actually give you the trophy. Uh, you, okay. The name, I mean, firstly, I've got to say, I've got to start with that it's, it was an honour to receive that. I mean, it's not something that you can, uh, you can vote for or you can't be in – you just get given the award. I mean, it's the, the board vote upon it. And yeah. um, I think I might be maybe one of the first Australians to receive it while yeah, doing I think Mark Webb and Daniel Ricciardo have won it as well. So you joined uh, them with yeah. the illustrious company. Yeah, I mean, uh, while doing an Australian championship. Oh, I okay, think, yes, yeah. Um, cool. I don't know if they've ever awarded that before, but uh, it's certainly, yeah, very prestigious. It's certainly a very prestigious award, and um, you don't get the trophy, <laughs> but they engra- they'll engrave my name and Dr. Aaron Roberts' name on it, and that'll just uh, be on in the BRDC clubhouse at Silverstone for, yeah, for years to come. And I'm not sure what the memento will be that they're sending out, but I reckon it'll be pretty damn good i think <laughs> yeah. that's well, awesome mate hey thank you. Um, over there and see that one day that'd be great yeah yeah absolutely hey real quickly um supercar plans for this year what's uh, what's in the works what's in the go anything you can shed some light on for us well we've locked in the co-drive uh with tickford yep. uh, hopefully we can do a couple wild cards i think that would be that would be great um and then i mean the goal next year will be full-time hopefully yep. in the championship it just you know there's a lot of factors as you know guys at that uh, play into it um so we'll just get through this year i'd lo- love to finish the, the s5000 championship especially now that we're leading yes um and do the the 1000 in october and if we get a couple wild cards in there i think it'll be it'll be a good year and whether or not there's some other drives that pop up along the way um, we'll just have to wait and see but i think um yeah, at the moment, my focus is on yeah, trying to win that Gold Star Championship um, because that that's actually over pretty quickly. I think the championship yeah. finishes in May. So, yeah. Um, yeah, just full focus on that. And uh, and then yeah, doing the best job I can for, for Tickford Racing and everyone at Ford and, and all the fans because that's what, that's what they deserve. And no Super 2 this year, Tom? Uh, no, no Super 2 unless... Unless someone offers me a free drive, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, but no, I mean they are a great car, and I really enjoyed my time with Matt White last year. And uh, even though it was a short-lived championship, um, it was a yeah great great end of the season after everything I was having to go through throughout the year. So that was that was great that you know they they stuck by me and, and all my sponsors and supporters and family, of course. And um, yeah, we'll just try and get through this year and. Um, see what happens uh, i think 2022 hopefully covid won't be hanging around as much and uh yeah it'll just be nice to to, to keep going racing i mean crazily crazily i'm sure you just enjoyed being back at a racetrack oh, commentating again down at simmons Plains. it was so good wasn't it and and it was um it was like you'd never been away just after that first practice session um there was no talk about oh how did you survive last year it was oh what changes have you made to the car or someone complaining about understeer or something like that, which I loved, which was terrific. So um, no, it was, it was great. Hey mate, well done. Super job. Um, it was so good to see. And there wasn't a dry eye in the house after you got that win on Australia day afternoon, terrific performance. Um, the job now, of course, to go on with it at Phillip Island in a couple of weeks, but really looking forward to following your progress. Thank you. Thanks Crowsley. And 
Thanks, you, Bex. Really, really enjoy the chat and uh, yeah, look forward to seeing you back at the track real soon. Crowsey, Tom Randall, what a fantastic kid. Yeah, incredible story, uh, Shebex. I, I got to tell you, and I followed the Tom Randall story quite closely for a long time and got to know both he and his dad, Dean, over many years. And, and I remember back 2015, actually, Tom won the Australian Formula 4 Championship. But at the same time, he was running in his dad's 900 horsepower Saab sports sedan. So he's jumping between the two of them at at similar rounds. I remember one round at Wakefield Park, and I've never seen someone so wrung out because they're two completely wild cars to drive, but completely different on a short little bullring like Wakefield. But terrific human being. He speaks so well, and the way he's carried himself was terrific. And I I won't lie to you, um, that final lap, and my good mate Matt Nolte was good enough to give me the call to the flag. When he won that round down there, the, the feature race on Tuesday afternoon on Australia Day. It, it was, um, there were hairs on the back of my neck standing up, just knowing what he's been through and, and the story to get to that point. So, yeah, really cool stuff, mate. And uh, one of many cool stories to come out of the uh, the opening few weeks of motorsport for the year. Now, if you reckon you had a tear in the eye, I've been to a rom-com with this guy and he's a bit of a chick flick man and I know that he tears <laughs> up at the best of times. Greg Rust, uh, you, you must have had a tear for sure. Tony Shebeki, you know me well. I'm a softest marshmallow, mate. So, yeah, the truth, the truth of the matter is um, I wandered into pit lane to do the interviews after S5000. Um, as Richard sort of said there a moment ago, you, you could not help but feel that. Um, but he has um, done a, a remarkable job and been a great inspiration to other people in the way that he's handled this. It's been... Um, for him personally, I, I guess the, the chance to come back and, and do racing has been a very, very powerful um, means of, of helping him through this this process. So lots of great stories to come out of it, boys, out of that, that Australia Day weekend. A wonderful sense of relief because uh, so much work and logistics had gone into actually just making the event possible. Um, you know, parked up and not, unable to go racing for 12 months, TCR almost. And the fact that we were able to do that again uh, was tremendous and a good mix of, of youngsters and, and some names from supercars. And even on a, on a separate note, just while we're talking S5000 here, I mean, I've had a little bit to do with Joey Mawson over time. Mm. Um, I, I can recall uh, doing a few events with the podium group that have helped him along the way on his journey and, you know, uh, Mick Schumacher, who he competed against and, and beat in the German F4 Championship, has now made it all the way to, to Formula One. And Joey's journey has taken him through a few different twists and turns. To see him get a win on home soil, to see the record-breaking pace of those cars around Simmons Plain, so many positives for me. Yeah, definitely. There's no doubt about that. And before we look into the racing, guys, I just want to congratulate you two and the team that was around you in regards to the coverage for us that weren't able to get down to Tasmania for the weekend. From what I watched, it was as slick as a production as you're going to get for what effectively is a first-time production of all you guys together. So congratulations to the entire team, mate. And I know things would have gone on behind the scenes that we will never know about, and that's fine. We'll keep it at that. But from what we saw, boys, it looked fantastic. I'm, I'm chuffed, and, and um, your good friend here, Richard Crail, did a remarkable job, mate. To see he and Matt Nolte and others shine, I, 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 that for me is what is super important in, in this. Um, you're right, Tony. So many elements came together in this from uh, new equipment, new things we were trialling that enabled us to talk to Michael Caruso at, at, mm. at important moments. 
um, some you know brilliant new graphics and a team that came together and um, had a rapport almost as though they'd been working together for years. And, and some of us have. There have been little jobs that I've done with Mark Beretta over time. Uh, Krause and I and Nolts have done lots of projects together. But to, to get everyone collectively, Brad Hodge, I mean, it just he just oozes enthusiasm about cars, that guys. You cannot help feel um, that when, when he's around in the, in the pit lane. And then away from the broadcast, we had great dinners together and I, I just thought it was a super start. I, I hate pumping tyres when it comes to our own work, but you could have looked at all of those elements before going into it going, okay, righto, this is a big mission here. How will it all go for a first up? It was immensely rewarding and it had a, a, a feeling a, a, about it with the group of people that I haven't had for, for some time. Gee, it was good. Nice. Yeah, it, it really was. I, I, I echo all of that. And I had the good fortune, Shebex, to call Touring Car Masters with Rusty, which is appropriate because uh, when I was a kid, he was calling the Touring Cars, so which probably dates me a little bit. But um, I've got the greys to yeah, prove it, Richard. So. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, um, it was really good. Um, I, I think we've uncovered some motor racing broadcasting talent as well. You mentioned Brad Hodge. The funny thing about Hodgey, as Shebex will attest to, is that I'm a cricket Nuffy. I love the game, as Shebex does, I know. Um, all I wanted to talk about with Hodgie was the game of cricket, and all Hodgie wanted to talk about was motor racing. So, Because <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let you in on something here, Rusty, is that Adam Gilchrist has been his absolute all-star favourite for the last four or five years since he did some work with him on Channel 10 through Grand Prix weekend. And I've got a feeling now that Gilly might have just moved aside a little bit, and Hodgie has actually stepped up because of his knowledge. Well, now we're on the same network now, so he has to. Well, it, it, it's funny you mention that because the man we're talking to right now is responsible for getting me into that Channel 10 sphere a couple of years ago, which led to me working with uh, Australia's greatest wicketkeeper batsman of all time uh, for a couple of tremendous years there at the 10 network. No, look, it, it was really good. I'm, I'm very proud of the product that, that we've turned out and, and there were definitely some speed bumps along the way, but I, all that means is that the product, I think, Rusty, we're going to turn out at Phillip Island in a couple of weeks is just going to take another another step up again, isn't it? Uh, agreed. The two people you've just been speaking about, great human beings who just happen oh, yeah. to be, you know, um, into their cars and sport generally. So, um, yeah, we're kind of feeding off that um, Shebex and, and, you know, that enthusiasm. It, it comes from a different angle when uh, Rich and I and, and um, some of the other um, diehard broadcasters that have been around motorsport for some time it's just nice to have another set of eyes and ears and, and abby Jelmy. i mean my oh, goodness yeah. she's just yeah. um the, the the fun element of the game we get all serious sometimes about our motorsport because we love it um but but she just brings a, a, a fresh approach to it and I, I think that'll hopefully um we'll fence in the good people that love the game we want to look after them that's important but as we walk the tightrope here we want to you know, showcase it to uh, some some new faces and perhaps a bit of a younger audience too. Rusty, yeah, you, right. um, sorry, Shebex, you, you oh, called right. T- TCR on the weekend. I was really pleased to see Jordan Cox at the front of the field. Isn't he a superstar? He sort of come from a different background to some of the drivers in that field, it, but it was so good to see him in machinery finally that could get him at the front of the field consistently across the weekend and show a broader audience why he's had a million views on YouTube for making ridiculous passes in that Honda Civic that he used to race and improve production. Yep. And his phone's been ringing hot. I saw him at, uh, at Baskerville. So 
in the wake of all that, not only thrilled to to get that um, result, but I, I think it'll be great for his his profile. This is part of the story we're going to tell here, um, Krause, isn't it? I mean, we've got Lee Holdsworth. We're fortunate to have Michael Caruso there. Now we're going to start to let people know um, that maybe haven't seen some of those um, YouTube and online things that, that Jordan's achieved, just the kind of talent that he's got. And then there are other youngsters that are emerging as well. So I think there's lots of great reasons to um, to, to follow it this year and, and some um, up-and-comers that are absolutely ready to take it to the likes of, of Caruso and, and Holsworth. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, the experience of guys such as Lee Holsworth, Chas Mostert, who was in the field, as you mentioned, some other guys, it just, it adds a whole new level to the field, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And, and um, how's Mozzie? I mean, we, we <laughs> don't have to sell this in this discussion. I mean, we were told before uh, Australia Day that it was very likely to be just one round. And, and he, on his own, in one of the interviews, opened up about the fact that he potentially loved to do more and, and uh, you know, kind of said, see at Phillip Island type thing. And I think that's, that's terrific. He loves his motor racing and it'd be great to think that um, you know, he could, he could play in a, in a few different spaces while still being very committed and, and very focused on what he's doing with supercars, of course. He was awesome to watch. Uh, Wasn't I, he? I, I love those drivers. And, and it's appropriate we had Tom Randall on the show because he's another one that can just jump in any racing car and make it work and go fast. It doesn't appear to be a process of getting up to speed with some of these guys. And, and Chaz is very much that. And from that first practice session, he had the little Bostic Audi dancing around Simmons Plains and was was right on the pace. It was very, very cool to see. Now, you've had a bit of an adventure, though, my friend, because <laughs> you went from the bright lights and glamour of television production at Simmons Plains, I say that slightly tongue-in-cheek, to being a... What what, what were you doing at, at, at Baskerville? Just let us know. A bro- broly I, I, boy, I think, I, wasn't it? I, I feel like a gypsy, basically. <laughs> I've been on, on the move everywhere. But I basically, at last minute, had, uh, had an opportunity to... Um, I could have picked any team, Krause. I could have gone with Glenn Seaton and Aaron Seaton, the Ripper fellas. I could have gone yeah. with them. And I've known Craig Harris for ages too. Um, Owen said to me, Owen Kelly said to me at the last minute, do you want to come continue the tour? Come with us to Baskerville. Uh, Marcus is, is you know, obviously doing the car. We've got a good bunch of blokes. Come and hang out. So I literally, on the Tuesday, after we were finished at Simmons Plains, I jumped in the transporter with Owen, the the. It's like being out of uh, something in Speedway in the United States, a big, you know, F truck and, and uh, big Julies on the back and a big long trailer. We drove up to um, Devonport. We were very fortunate to be looked after by Adam Gowans, who you boys I'm sure yep. know from, from different mm-hmm. forms of racing. Um, so he let us use his workshop. Um, Owen joked with me later. He said, I think we nearly lost him with all the 16-hour days of little <laughs> things we were doing to prep the car. <laughs> I'm enough when it comes to um, uh, uh, mechanical things, but I did what I could to help the boys prep it. Um, some of the great stories there where you, you, you had a, you know, a quiet beer after work was, was finished during the week in the lead-up to Baskerville. Those few days was great. Drove down with him to Baskerville, and I did everything from... from uh, going down to see Max Dumsney and getting new tyres organised. They let me listen to the uh, the race control channel and, and relay messages. And Marcus was taking the mickey out of me about how serious I was with that simple job. <laughs> um, so it was great, guys. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I have not been to Baskerville in over 20-odd years. Last time I was there was for bikes. Mm. And 
you know, it's an older venue. Naturally, it's been there, I think, since 1958, but it's got some... Un- the track itself has some great old character and corners about it. And um, yeah, Gary Rogers and Baz did a, did a great job with that little little outing to take that to... Um, there's lots of COVID restrictions still there. I think they could only have 3,500 people. Um, but it was it was good fun, guys. Yeah, to see Trans Ams, learn a bit more about them and... and um, Probably what we can't talk about in this in this chat is that at the end of each day we would go to that that trailer and Marcus would start opening up about NASCAR and some of the great old backstories and and um, I've I've got a, a very vivid a vivid memory of those conversations, boys. I'll stay with me forever. Yeah, then uh, that's great stuff for podcasting, that for sure. Definitely. Well, I mean, I've been fortunate <laughs> to do one with with Marcus already, so um, he was uh, he was in good form, boys. I wandered the the paddock and did a. a facebook live at one point but he wasn't getting out from under the car to talk to me he was on the tools and he was focused (laughs) i watched i watched that live as it happened it popped up on my phone i thought i'll watch this and there's there's greg rust with the microphone jammed down the engine bay of the the ta2 car trans am car with marcus's feet hanging out and that was about it and and just this voice from the deep that we've all known for 30 years of motor racing um talking about the the changes that owen was making to the car so uh, Actually, just on, just on that, uh, that's probably the first time Marcus has really been involved in motor racing for a few years. He's been working with uh, another friend of his on a sprint car from time to time. And his daughter, Tabitha, was actually part of, uh, he has two daughters, and it's, it's his eldest daughter who was part of the crew with us. She's been doing some kart racing. So okay. it actually brought together uh, a great bunch, Shebex, for, for different reasons. And I think Marcus was keen for her to you know, learn about the car. I mean, she spent some time with the Gary Rogers crew when we were at Simmons Plain. So he he left her in the GRM team's hands as she'd go off and do a bit of learning there. And then she was with us to work on Owen's Trans Am at, uh, at Baskerville. Jeez, I don't know if you'd leave anyone with Gary or Barry, would you? <laughs> <laughs> no matter what age they are, you just wouldn't leave anyone uh, with them. Man. Hey, let's talk about the racing. Uh, and there was a couple of other categories we, we sort of covered off on TCR there, but... Uh, TCM boys, some fantastic racing, and John Bow again, just uh, looking good. Yeah, looking great, isn't it? Rusty, he, he looks younger every year. Sam, doesn't he? JB, de- 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 definitely. And you and I were very fortunate to be there for a for a milestone in, in TCM at Simmons Plains. He continued the tour. He went and, and took the car, and the team went to to Baskerville. He hadn't been to Baskerville, I think, in over a decade. He rented mm. an, an historic meeting there in a Porsche. And then prior to that, it was like the laser series in the late 80s. So um, he's had a fantastic few weeks. Home turf for him, obviously. He's originally from Tasmania. And uh, really cool to see him chalk that up there, wasn't it? Do you find, I, I get the same thing when I speak to guys like that, that I've grown up watching car racing. And JB's around, been around long enough that you probably were, were similar. Um, I still get a buzz out of just going up and having a chat to these guys with their history and the amazing stuff that, that Bowie's done. And even Tom Randall mentioned before in our chat that he's a two-time Australian driver's champion. So he's one of the yes. greats in Australian open wheel racing, but no one talks about that. So I, I love just being, having this amazing access to go and talk to JB about racing Formula 2 cars in the 80s and the Pacific cars that he raced and Aussie Grands Prix and before the Dick Johnson days that he's so famous for. I, I, I still get a massive buzz out of that. I owe him a, a bottle of red wine and a, and a dinner. I, we had a great dinner together at um, at Hampton Downs about 12 months ago, and it was all exactly what you're talking about, all those yeah. tapping into those memories. And for me, that kind of came flooding back a little bit when I was at basketball because where the 
the uh, flag marshals and things gathered for uh, for a little cool treat um, after ra- uh, racing wrapped up on Sunday. Uh, there was all this memorabilia in there. There's great old photos of JB in all sorts of different machines. Um, but but the fans at both events, Simmons and there, um, he's just so engaging. He loves yeah. you. Someone will come in and talk about something. They've got a photo or whatever, and he, he just um, thoroughly enjoys those those memories too. Yeah, he certainly does. Uh, the other category that I saw these guys for the first time in Adelaide, the Trans Ams last year when we had the, the 500 and those cars just blew me away. They are spectacular cars and it was great to see them pretty much start their series in, uh, in anger with uh, Aaron Seaton doing some great work. He's in great form at the moment and, you know, collectively with, you know, his dad there and, and some of those guys. And as you know, boys, you've probably talked about it. He's, he's going to be with, uh, Matt Stone Racing and and with um, you know in Super Two this year, so uh, I, I think probably the the good thing about it both of those events, you know, Owen came back to do some racing. Owen Kelly hasn't done that for a while. Uh, we saw Nathan Hearn absolutely um, grab the opportunity with both hands, and it made for two very competitive race meetings in that class. It, it's uh, it's set the you know it's been a perfect start for that class for you know heading into Phillip Island and so on for sure. It's just such good, good racing, hard mm. racing. The cars yeah. are identical. They're spectacular. They're low grip. Um, they slide around a lot. They're really good to race. And we should mention, congrats to Aaron Seaton. He won the Tassie 10,000. So 10 grand to win that feature race there at Baskerville, which is a, a huge result. I'm not sure what the split is there with Glenn and the family. <laughs> probably, probably go straight into the Super 2 fund, to be honest with you. But um, I, I actually texted Aaron um, before we recorded this and said, hey, mate, if, if you've got five minutes, we'd love to have you on. He goes, mate, I'd love to chat, but I'm actually flat out because we're in the middle of rebuilding Super 2 cars and I've got stuff going on here and sponsorship stuff. He's just so actively engaged, like his old man was and like his famous grandfather Bo Seaton was as well. It, it, it's a terrific story. Uh, I've really enjoyed watching Aaron get up to speed and he did some touring car masters with us a couple of years ago, which was great to watch. Hey, Rusty, we're not going to let you get on this show without plugging your outstanding podcast. True. Um, we, I had a, a captivating drive home from the Bend Motorsport Park actually late last year, listening to both parts of Roscoe McGlashan's Fantastic. chat, which was extraordinary. Yeah. And to the point where... Uh, it finished with about 10 minutes to go. And I sat in my car, in my shed until it finished. <laughs> so captivating it was. Hey, congrats on Rusty's Garage. Podcast One Australia. It's an amazing thing. You've had some great chats. Um, just talk a little bit about the podcast and where it's at and, and maybe some future plans. Thank you, mate. Um, basically, I've tried to have a little bit of a breather um, over January, but I'm going to have to crank it up again. Now, we recorded just before Christmas or maybe even just prior to New Year, uh, one with my great buddy, Lee Diffie, and that was yes, just was awesome. two mates talking, which I, which I loved. He's done and continues to do some great things in the States. I want to get some more girls on, um, Richard. I, I want to talk to Coral Taylor, yep, um, famous uh, co-driver, as you know, in, from the Australian Rally Championship. But in addition to that, I mean, she's been on the board of the NRMA here mm. uh, in, in New South Wales. Um, there's lots of ones, some internationals that the COVID has been, I've tried as difficult as it was for, for all of us, all of us have had our challenges in this process. I've tried to find some positives and, and to get access to some international guests to try and still deliver a really good quality audio experience to them has been a, a, a thing that I immerse myself in. I just, as you know, boys love those conversations. 
Um, so we've got a few more we want to do this this year. Some of them I want to do that are um, not just supercars. I want to do a few other. Um, I'd love to get to Jim Reed. We've had some some discussions about right. some drag racing stuff there, um, and a few more two wheel uh, competitors. Um, I've between us, but I might, I mean, people are going to hear this anyway. So um, I, I've had some chats in recent times with Alex Briggs, who has worked with oh, yeah. Valentino Rossi for many years yeah. and has just stopped doing that. And he's back in Australia now. So I'm going to make a bit of a road trip and go up and see him and, and have a chat with him as well. Cause he's like Jeremy Burgess. Um, yeah. who's based in South Australia there. He's got some great stories about their time in, in Grand Prix racing. Yeah. Fantastic. Do you have a favorite episode, mate? I, I, I It's hard to pick. It's like picking your favorite child, I imagine, but John Cleland for mine stood out from last year. That was just yep. extraordinary. Yeah. He was, he was so good and um, never forgot the, the interviews that we'd worked on together when, when he was racing in supercars and uh, little, you know, super touring things. Um, so yeah, uh, that came about by a, a private tweet, uh, you know, Hey JC, would you be up for it kind of thing? Absolutely. And, and I was chuffed when he said to me, yes, I've, I've heard and listened to a couple of episodes. I was like, oh, fantastic. So yeah, yeah. to get him on was, was great. Um, I could not stop laughing when I did Steve Parrish. I mean, what he and Barry Sheen got up to, um, I mean, some of it probably isn't even printable, but what we at least got out <laughs> in the podcast was yeah. hilarious. Um, and then, you know, there's been other surprises too. You know, Casey Stoner came forth with a few things that I didn't anticipate when I went into that discussion. So uh, I, I love the face-to-face stuff. You know, as you as, a, as the three of us talk, we're, we're doing the right thing and observing some distancing stuff. We're in different states anyway. Um, I'd rather be face-to-face and have a, a quiet yeah. one with you and, and, and have that discussion. And that's where I think the best podcasts happen. But we have learned to um, still make it engaging even when we are apart like this. And I think that's that's been a good thing to come out of the past 12 months. Certainly has, mate. There's no doubt about it. Thank you for your time today. Look forward to catching up with you throughout the year as we discuss uh, what is going to be a really, really exciting ARG season with so many different categories and so much happening. Can I leave you with a quick funny story? I met, Gary, Ro- I met Gary Rogers' lovely wife on, uh, on the weekend and uh, Gary said to me that uh, one of her first ever boyfriends was identical in looks to me, apparently. Wow. <laughs> so I was, and, uh, and I said, well, Kay, all has worked out well. You've ended up with Gary. You've got a much better bloke, blah, blah. We had a great old laugh about it. Motor racing is such an awesome family, guys, isn't it? So there you go. Apparently, I look like her, her first boyfriend when she was a teenager. Oh, Classic. Classic. Congratulations. Oh, so good. That's scary. Yeah, it is scary. <laughs> That's what I think too. You could the have world, been married to Barry. Uh, Gary the, the, the world, the world may have changed completely. Had that yeah. gone down, <laughs> different, different universe. Uh, right, Rusty, we'll right. catch up soon. You're great a good to man. talk, Thanks, boys. Mate. Thank you. Cheers. Good on you, mate. All right, always great to finish off the show with this guy joining us, Crazy Mark Walker. How are you, my friend? Shebexter, we're on a farm, so I apologise for a horse or cow or kangaroo or tractor noises but um that's 2021 for you isn't it yeah the it things is, you do to pacify a two-year-old go to a oh farm. my god <laughs> hello mate day. happy uh new year we say on the third of february but uh welcome back <laughs> to on the grid for a brand new season um so far so good i think isn't it well we had some car racing wasn't that pleasant mm. that was most good uh that, that was 
that was really fun to watch, wasn't it? I mean, it was obviously better for you to be there in person and doing your job, Rich, and yeah. a really top job you did too. There's some uh, cool you. things you're involved with there. It was yeah. the Feel Good Sunday, wasn't it? We had JB oh. bring up his 100 win, which was uh, huge. And for him to do that in home soil too was uh, yeah. was really special. And and then, of course, Tom Randall. I mean, how good was that? That was uh, That is the Feel Good Story 2021, and it's not going to get beat. No, it won't get beaten. There's plenty of other stories going around at the moment. Great to see Lee Holdsworth find himself a new home, boys, with uh, WAU and Chas Mostert. What a good combo, isn't that? Nice uh, combo. Yeah, although you split, I don't know, like, with the fullest respect to Lee Holdsworth, do you want to not run with Warren Luff at Bathurst? Because Luffy's Bathurst record is freakishly good. And I, I don't know. I, I Holds is brilliant, but... Whatever it is about Mount Panorama and Warren Luff, something clicks every year and you're odds on for a podium. And it's quite literally odds on. The odds are remarkably short that you're going to be up on the podium. So, um, yeah, interesting call. But uh, yay for Bryce Forward, who gets Lee Holdsworth. So I'm just going to go and throw some money on that car for Bathurst podium now, I think. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Luffy's a man, isn't he? I mean, yep. he's got the runs on the board. And Lee, what, has he got one podium there? Yeah, I think back so. uh, back with Robbo back in the GRM days. So it's uh, been a long time between podium visits, but it's obviously that recent fad experience that uh, they're looking yeah. for. That they'll just plug him straight in there. And obviously, if he's doing TCR and other stuff during the year, he'll he'll have his eye in still, and he'll he'll be an easy fit in straight in there with Chaz. Oh, I was really impressed with Bex how quickly he got up to speed in the the TCR car. He's never raced front wheel drive. You know, he's For been minute a- one. Yeah, he's been a supercar specialist since he raced Commodore Cup back in the day, and they're very they were very similar to touring cars of the day anyway. But yeah, like first lap, bang on the money, really, really good. So, now nah, in all seriousness, he's a super addition for WAU. Uh, I, I think it just continues to prove how that team's been re-engineering themselves. And we saw the performance last year. We've got two brand new liveries for their cars this year, looking very sharp. I think. Um, yep. I and like that light blue. I really do. The, the chassis yeah. bill looks good, doesn't oh. it? Yeah. We should point out, boys, while we're here, that um, we, we're in the midst of livery season. Monday was livery day. Um, we had three liveries drop on, on Monday. Um, remarkably, everyone coordinated without them all coming out at the same time, which was often not a thing that happens in the supercar world. So well done, team PRs. Good job. I want um, to ask if anyone is livid about the deliveries that have been delivered. Oh. Have you been working on that for? All no, of I just the came out with that. That Did was you? quite good. I'm that's, proud of myself. Yeah, you should be. You should be. You keep trying. Good job. Um, what I was going to say is, is that uh, we're going to do a racetalk.com power rankings. Oh, okay. On, on liveries. liveries. On liveries. The supercar field of 2021. We are going to power rank them. Excellent. Uh, so hot, not or what? Feel free to. Th- Start firing in suggestions now. I'll probably forget them before we compile it, but uh, we'll put a post up on our socials at The Race Talk on Facebook, Twitter, and Insta. Uh, we want your thoughts on what's a good livery and what isn't. So far, it's a good-looking field. So can I, can I give field. a hot straight yeah. off the top mm-hmm. to the livery that we won't see throughout the year is the Erebus livery. <laughs> that black livery, that is just, that's stunning. Right. Can I uh, point some things out at this juncture? The, the, the ones that don't have sponsors on them, it's very easy to make them look good. Mm. You know, you've got teams like Red Bull Ampole Racing who 
they do not have a square centimetre spare on that thing. They've jammed every company on there. And they've had some good gets in the off-season too with Super mm. Cheap and Harvey Norman. So they're not mucking around there. Like the, the real estate they had spare, they've put some fairly decent companies on board there. So there was uh, some good off-season there for those guys. But the car looks very busy. And that's a problem. You look at uh, Andre Homegartner's car. I reckon that's a step back from last year. But it's a step back because they've got way more stickers on there. Mm. You know, it was very uh, plain and you know, there's good contrast between the black and white last year, but it's a lot busier this year having all that Pennzoil uh, sponsorship on the car, which is awesome for the sport. It's awesome for the team. It's awesome for Andre, but the car doesn't quite look as good. But uh, full marks, I reckon the winner so far, the clubhouse leader would have to be Chaz's car. Mm. That looks really sharp. Yeah, closely followed by the truck assist Mustang that Jack LeBrock will drive. I mean, hard to bugger up a truck assist livery, let's be honest. Orange and black, well, we love that. But that's a good-looking good looking race car too. The other thing is too, is that a lot of them have just come out as renders at the moment or mm. you know, they've been shot in the studio. It doesn't necessarily translate to the racetrack because mm. you can have something that just looks awesome on a computer screen. And that's how these concepts are sold to the sponsors is this cool renders. And they mightn't necessarily translate to the racetrack. It depends what sort of vinyl finish they have. I know often some cars, they're just awful to photograph. You know, they don't have enough contrast, like I said before, or they're too shiny. Like, remember the JPS-inspired Erebus cars at Sandown a few years ago? Yeah. They looked mega in the studio, but you couldn't read a sticker on them when they were on the racetrack. Yeah. You know, if you asked before the race, man, you'd say that would be the winner. But come race day, when you had to try and spot them on a track on a TV screen, they were just nowhere. That one of Chaz's, that livery, what they could do to trick that up for the night races with that fluoro blue could be amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, That's yeah. where I'm looking forward to that yeah. car. Yeah. Well, so convinced are we that we have absolutely nothing else to add on that. But yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a good looking car. I, 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 I like the middies car as well. Uh, yeah. just because it's different, it's bright pink works for mine on a race car. So well done. But yeah, good looking field. And like the sponsorship. Nice to see Penrod on a Mustang. That looks good. Yep. Yep. Does. That's that's glad that's finally all out. Worst kept kept secret in the sport, wasn't it? I'm glad we didn't bring a podcast back just to confirm that one. Oh lordy. Oh. Actually, that's that's another one that looks good is the uh cool drive car. Yes. That looks yes. really well, sharp. That was they, the first one out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they've kept it simple, but there's uh it just looks sharp. It's it's nice and plain and easy to read, which is what you want. Mm. I feel like there's a trend, slowly a trend going back to where liveries were in the early to mid nineties. It was like primary color, stripe, sponsor, done. Yeah. So, you know, you, you yeah. go back, like 95, I think peak livery for mine in touring car racing in this country, bright yellow Fords with a bit of blue for shell, bright red Winfield Commodores, bright blue Fords with a bit of yellow and red for Peter Jackson for, for Cedo all white with the lion on the side for the HRT, the iconic Castrol Perkins car, simple liveries, great branding. And back then, a lot of it was done with a paintbrush, so it probably had to be simple. But when everyone discovered vinyl, it all went completely and utterly crazy because they could do all this amazing printed stuff. But I love that it just feels like it's starting to be brought back a little bit and simple works better for branding on TV. And that's where uh, you make your money these days. So I love it. I think it's and great. Can I, rem can I remind teams also that the cars that they put out in 2021 are the cars that companies like Bianti and those sort of cars are going to be putting out as the final Commodores of the supercar era. So they yeah. want to look bloody good because they're going to be a lot of collectors who are taking them. So 
let's get it right, folks. Let's make sure that we get some really good liveries for the remainder of this year. Back to the point of the Sandown Retro Round, whenever they wheel out these old paint schemes, everyone gets barred up about them because they look horned. Yeah. And it, it's that simple simplicity the the old cars didn't have these rad liveries and you're right rich so many of the paint schemes it was about the livery it wasn't about the sponsor's name on the side of it so that looks rad but it's this complex sticker job that takes away the attention from the stickers that are paying the the bills it's fortunate that supercars did remove the the door numbers off the cars to free up some real estate so these people can go plaster some more names on the side of it it's a big debate that they're having in nascar at the moment because uh, over there they have different sponsors each week and there's a lot of equity for the drivers and the teams and the number having that uh, consistent identification thing there with the number which isn't so prevalent in supercars because the cars are the same every weekend but the problem is that the number doesn't pay any bills so they're trying to squeeze the number off the door of the car so they can jam some more sponsor stickers on there, which is what we did years ago. And mm. it's been very successful for supercars. And I should let people know too, that in the 18 years of this program, that's not the first time we've had barred up and horn in the same sentence. <laughs> that's Sorry. not a shock, Shebex. It's not a shock. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I, I reckon there was some really interesting, the early days at SEN, I reckon there was some really interesting stuff that, yeah. that no one will ever hear ever Especially again. Especially when we were doing it midnight to dawns, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. That was before my time. <laughs> uh, love it. Love it. No, it's going to be good. It's it's nice to see things rolling out and we can just all hope that, that things continue to be nice and calm, at least this side of the country. And um, we can get to Mount Panorama in a month's time and uh, and get an opening round of the championship underway and uh, and yeah. get some cars on the racetrack, which will be... Yeah, it's going to be great. And speaking of new liveries, we should mention too that there's some new website liveries out there at the moment. None more so than... The, uh, the race talk livery. I thought you were going to brought up the rebranding job that the old friend, our mates at Speed Cafe have done, but oh, no, you're right. Up. They've got a new one too, haven't they? <laughs> I think in terms of comprehensive redesign, and I say this with the fullest of respect to our good mate Crusher, I think the racetalk.com is vastly more upgraded than theirs. Um, just throwing it out there. I'll cop, I'll cop it for that. Um, yeah, no, new, new the racetalk.com got launched in early January. Um, it needed a birthday. It, it was very, very much overdue for both in terms of the back end of the website and the, the visual aspect that, that you all see when you click on it in record numbers. And I will say very much thank you for that, for, for the way you've all supported the racetalk.com over the last 12 months, especially it's been a, a lifeline, I think for during peak COVID when we needed an outlet TRT gave it. And um, it certainly churned up some time that we would have spent <laughs> thinking about how terrible life was. So we appreciate that. And we appreciate your readership. Uh, and last year was our biggest year by more than double, which was just incredible. And, and we're very, very thankful for that. So um, as a, as a thank you, we've given the website a birthday, so it's easier to read. It's more modern um, for what we have to do behind the scenes. It works better. There's a, a hub for the podcast now, which is great. So um, do jump on. We're always tuning it up and always doing new and exciting things. And even this week, a, a really cool two-part feature written by our mate Dale Rogers on uh, Richard Davison which uh, we've dubbed the Davison story lesser told. And there's some really interesting stuff that comes out and we've got some more stuff in the pipeline that we're looking to roll out for you on TRT. Yeah. uh, Sorry, Shebex. Yeah. We've got so many really good stories that we have to tell this year. It's going to be really great. And obviously if you've got something out there, let us know Mm. because so many of these stories are just coming from left field, 
weird and wonderful places and they're all people who are aware of what we do here at the race talk so uh pop up if you've got something uh cool on the go we want to hear about it yeah you mentioned I... davison mm-hmm. there's a car of old man davison will's dad and alex's dad so this uh this audio medium you're showing a picture at the moment uh racing in the red x trial in tasmania yep. i picked that up from a little market stall yep a while back is that an fj yeah, hey, Holden. Yeah, I reckon Holden. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. Uh, and also, for, we should thank everyone too for their listenership of uh, On The Grid last year as well. We also had some massive numbers compared to previous years. So we thank you so much. And in my true tradition, we did absolutely nothing to change <laughs> for you. So thank I, you for doing it. There's a new show logo. Yeah, there is too. Yes, enjoy that. <laughs> For which you're welcome. No, look, seriously, thanks thanks to everyone. Well, we've got well, we've got the three of us together and, and Dale will be on next week, I, I imagine. Um, thanks to everyone who supported us last year. I, I don't think we adequately conveyed that because we're all pretty frazzled by December when we wrap oh, things yeah. up. But um, uh, look, it's um, we're really looking forward to this year. We've got great plans both for the podcast and the website. Um, and we just want to tell great racing stories. And I hope that in episode one of season 18, we've done that with Tommy Randall and the yeah, great good. Gregory Rust, who we love to bits um, and uh, certainly more of those down the road. So that's our goal. And yeah, get in touch at the race talk. We, we look at all of our socials very closely. We'd love feedback, guest suggestions. Um, we will be bringing back beers with the race talk. Yes. It is coming back. I promise yes. you, hand on heart. We, if we have to do sand it, down first, sand down yeah, first week. Yeah, if we have to do it in a socially distanced manner, we'll do it. But there will be beers on us at a racetrack somewhere near you soon. So, um, Philip Island. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, sure, possible. Yeah. Sure, sure. The, the old Isle of Fright. We'll go down there. That'll be great. Um, <laughs> no, it's going to be great. Really looking forward to uh, to the year ahead. All right, guys. We'll leave it at that. Thank you for your time. Uh, we'll catch you next week. Excellent. Talk to you then. Thank you for joining us right here on The Grid. We'll catch you next week as well. This program is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.